Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, this gun is for hire. Ladies and gents, the captain. They like to call me Big Boss Applesauce. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your father. This week we are featuring bourbon barrel-aged milk and cookies by the crafty brewers at Wicked Weed Brewing in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. This is an imperial milk stout, so very much a dessert stout, as indicated from the clever name of milk and cookies. Garage grade four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And this beer was loaded with kindness into the garage fridge by these crafty garage friends. First up, a big cheers to April in Riverside, California. The big, we like your jib to Shannon in Chicago. Next up, a long distance cheers to Alex in Adelaide, Australia. And a big shout out to Mary in Louisville, Kentucky. And here's a cheers to Darren in San Diego. And last but not least, we have Taylor in Mansfield, Ohio. So thanks to everybody for helping us out with this week's show. If you want to help us out with next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to be restocking a lot of the stuff in the store that has been missing for a while. Plus, we're finally going to have some stickers. So check out the store page at truecrimegarage.com. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. The psyche of a murderer has fascinated us for centuries. What could they have possibly been thinking? Or were they even thinking at all? When we look into these crime stories, much of the time we find ourselves asking the same question. Why? 
What drives seemingly normal, peaceful, average people to do horrible, violent, criminal things? Within these stories, after all the digging, sometimes we get our answer. A crime of passion, sudden rage, hidden compulsions, an accident, followed by a cover-up. In this week's case, we take a close look at a small-town doctor, beloved by his community, who suddenly and without warning commits a heinous and brutal murder of someone close to him. What drove this doctor, who had a passion for healing and caring for his fellow man, to kill and destroy a life? This is the case of Dr. Vince Gilmer. This week, Captain, we pay homage to a great show called This American Life. You are a regular, regular... I'm a rabid fan. Very. You listen to it on the reg, as Kenny Powers would say. Yes. I step in and check it out from time to time with your um, suggestion. Mm-hmm. And they covered a case a while back that has inspired us to take a deeper look into something brought to light by their fantastic show. And we're going to start off by talking about Dr. Benjamin Gilmer. Dr. Benjamin Gilmer was looking for a small town medical clinic where he could establish a medical practice. Mm -hmm. Well, he found it. In 2009, Dr. Benjamin Gilmer set up shop at the Cane Creek Family Clinic. But Ben was a little weirded out. The clinic was originally founded and run by a man who shared his occupation and name. Dr. Benjamin Gilmer would be the second dr gilmore to run the cane creek family clinic Mm -hmm. the first was dr vince gilmer and the two were not related in fact they never even met before ben took over the practice and dr benjamin knew very little about dr vince gilmer but he did know a couple of things he knew from the patients and staff that dr vince was in fact a very good and caring doctor but he was also a convicted murderer. Then when patients at the clinic were told that there was a new Dr. Gilmer, they were weirded out as well. Dr. Ben noticed how many of the patients and staff of the clinic raved about how wonderful Vince Gilmer was. Ben heard stories of the caring, generous, dependable doctor, and he couldn't reconcile that impression with what he knew to be true that Vince was a violent, confessed murderer. Right. So he started to do some digging, looking into Vince's past, and even accessing the trial materials. Dr. Ben sent a letter to Vince in prison, eight years after the murder. And Vince wrote back. But Dr. Ben was horrified at the letter he received. It was virtually illegible, scrawled across the paper as though written by a child. Mm Mm-hmm. Vince rambled on and on for multiple pages about the effects of SSRI withdrawal. One thing Dr. Ben could make out for sure was that the letter was asking for help. The two continued to correspond, and Vince made it clear in his letters that he believed he needed Lexapro or Celexa, but was not receiving it 
in prison. Now, a little side note here to discuss these drugs that that Vince is talking about and the implications. So Lexapro is a drug designed to treat generalized anxiety disorder and depression, an important neurotransmitter chemical in the body. Serotonin helps to send signals to the brain and is often associated with contentment or happiness. However, serotonin is actually linked to many complex functions and regulates cognition, learning, memory, and other processes. Mm -hmm. If your brain is lacking in serotonin, it can impact your mood. Antidepressants work to redress this by increasing serotonin levels. These drugs called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs for short, are intended to build up in the body over time, improving depression symptoms. If you stop taking them abruptly, this could have severe effects, including suicidal thoughts, agitation, and even psychosis. So Lexapro is an SSRI. Now, that's just my general garage guy understanding of the drugs that we are going to be discussing and how they work. That's a guy that studied computers. <laughs> yeah. Take, That's his understanding of drugs. Take that with a grain of salt, I guess. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Dr. Ben and Dr. Vince, they begin conversing by phone. And Dr. Ben noticed that Vince's speech was often slurred, and he seemed to have extreme trouble articulating what he was trying to say. Right, and let's be clear. This is not just a doctor. This is a doctor that is running like an entire clinic mm -hmm. and he goes from doing that to barely being able to write a letter, barely being able to talk on the phone. And on top of that, Vince tells Ben about the uncontrolled movements that he started to exhibit around the time of his arrest. Mm -hmm. And this continued and it got worse over time. Ben decided that an in-person visit to Vince in prison was in order. And he was shocked at what he saw. Dr. Vince, the prisoner, looked very ill. Mm -hmm. He seemed unable to control his body's jerking and sudden movements, and he had trouble talking like a normal person. Well, he was also missing some teeth, mm -hmm. and he was getting in fights with all the other inmates. Right. He, Vince walked with a shuffle. He seemed anxious and paranoid, and he was the one that tells been about stories of him aggressively attacking other inmates right in no uncertain terms in these phone calls and visits vince asked ben repeatedly and often emotionally for help he was unable to grasp what was wrong with him and he guessed that it was a deficiency in serotonin vince had been asking prison officials for years to prescribe him an ssri like selexa right but he was ignored now, Captain, let's go back and take a look, right, at the once-beloved small-town doctor. Back in 2004, Dr. Vincent Donald Gilmer, a burly, balding 41-year-old doctor of family medicine, worked in Fletcher, North Carolina, at a small medical clinic that he founded. The rural town is about 15 miles from Asheville and catered to the locals in the somewhat isolated area. But Vince wasn't your everyday, dispassionate, impersonal medical service provider. He was truly a member of the community, having chosen Fletcher as a place that he wanted to work and live. He was fully invested in his patients' lives, and he truly cared. Yeah, he even made house calls, I believe. 
Yeah. He cared to the point that he not only dedicated his time to meeting with and listening to his patients, but he found a way to diagnose or treat them even if they couldn't afford it. Some patients received their medications out of free samples the doctor got from the drug companies. Some patients received long grace periods for their bills or large discounts on necessary services. Right. And then there's even some stories of situations where if a patient couldn't pay at all, Vince would accept bartered goods or services like food or work Mm -hmm. and trade for the doctor bills. And he even gave free checkups to the local firefighters, which is a fantastic thing. Right. Dr. Vince Gilmore was known and loved as a generous, thoughtful, caring man who would buy people presents for no reason or help anybody out at any time. His nickname was Bear because he was known to give great big bear hugs. Dr. Vince was married to a woman named Karen. She was also a doctor, and she started the Cane Creek Family Health Center with Vince, and they worked side by side there. The couple didn't have children, but they didn't seem to miss that aspect as they stayed quite busy with their practice and socializing with their friends. This included Vince and Karen's close friend and office manager, Terry Worley. Everything seemed to be as normal as can be, as American as apple pie. This up until... Without the cheese on it. Yeah. This up until around 2003, about one year earlier, when things began to change and the good doctor began to change. So how had this caring, beloved small-town doctor morphed into a violent murder, seemingly out of the blue? Mm -hmm. It seemed to be completely, totally out of character for Vince Gilmer. What possibly could explain this change? Well, there are some things that one might be able to point to as possible triggers that may have pushed this man to the limit and then over. For one thing, about a year before the murder, Vince was in what can only be explained or described as a serious car accident. Mm -hmm. He was driving his truck. Vince hit a light pole and flipped his truck. The vehicle was totaled and Vince suffered a significant head injury. Vince's office assistant, Terry Worley, saw Vince in the hospital on the day of the accident. She said at first that Vince didn't even know who he was. Right. He didn't recognize his wife or he didn't even know that he was married. Mm -hmm. After a short period of time, Vince was back to his senses and he was allowed to go home about 24 hours later. But it was evident that he had hit his head very hard in this accident. Right. Much later and strangely, Terry expressed to journalist Sarah Koenig of the serial fame and This American Life that she wondered whether Vince had possibly crashed his truck on purpose. I know this seems very strange, but go with me on this. Mm -hmm. She was suspicious for a couple of reasons. One, she noted that Vince was scheduled to take his medical boards pretty soon after this accident. Right. To now, like reinstate. Yeah. Is that like, I'm guessing that's some kind of uh, confirmation of continued education or, or keeping up on your uh, knowledge of, of your very important job. Yeah. That's what I think it was. Okay. Well, she had some suspicion that he couldn't handle that kind of pressure very well of knowing that these tests were coming up. So he was stressed about that. Also, Terry said Vince wanted a new truck, but his wife who handled the finances was telling him no. Right. So with this accident, 
he was able to postpone taking his boards and got a new truck. Right. Of course. And it only almost cost his life. Right. Now, now, of course, there is no evidence that Vince's accident was anything or any way deliberate. Mm-hmm. This is just a you know suspicion of someone who knew Vince quite well. This simply could just be what it appears to have been, an accident. Another thing that happened was Vince divorced his wife, Karen, right after this accident. According to people who knew the couple, this was totally out of the blue. Yeah, but there was some speculation because I believe she said that they were having some issues before that. Yeah, Terry Worley, who we've discussed, says Karen asked Vince to consider counseling before you know ending the marriage, but he says no. He doesn't want to do the counseling. Right. And that he actually already had a place to live, and he moved out that weekend when they start discussing the possibility of counseling. Sometime around this point, it could be just before, just after, Vince starts drinking quite a bit, and he is frequenting bars three or four nights a week. Yeah, and this is weird, too, because you go, did this guy bump his head, or is he just having a midlife crisis? Yes, yes, very much so. And But keep in mind, this is also someone that no one considered him to be a big drinker before this. Right. You know, so we're seeing almost a complete shift in, in personality. But, I mean, have you had a friend that has done that as far as, like, once they hit middle age, they they kind of go off the deep end for a while? Um, I mean, Usually they'll buy a fast car or a motorcycle or or you'll see somebody get into a hobby that they've always talked about. Right. He's getting into a hobby, going to bars. Going, going to bars and driving a brand new truck. Right. Uh, people close to Vince also noticed that he started behaving differently. He was easily distracted and seemed to lose focus very quickly. Well, and they talk a lot about when somebody has an accident, especially when there's head trauma, that they can have a shift in personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just overall behavior. Yeah. That's why I've recommended to you to run your head into a wall a couple times. Wow. Uh, one Shaves friend, personality. one friend tells a story in which Vince ran over his dog's tail with his vehicle. This was very likely an accident right. and he called the friend crying hysterically mm-hmm. and what the friend would later say, you know, Vince was reacting completely disproportionately to his, to this minor accident for someone who is a doctor who's used right. to, you know stressful situations it is after the divorce and after the car crash that vince starts he says he started taking lexapro now the washington county sheriff told a news show that their department they were unable to locate any prescription for lexapro issued to vince gilmer so it seems likely that vince gilmer was self-medicating yeah, but if he's getting, he could be getting a bunch of free samples. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's just taking those. In any event, the changes in Vince, people notice them, and they say these were significant. Well, and think about Ben Gilmer, right. the, the guy taking over Vince's practice. As he's talking to these patients and learning a lot about him, some of these patients are coming in and saying, you know, Vince was a sweetheart and he loved his wife. And the fact that uh, that he would even want to divorce his wife is strange. Mm-hmm. And then you're being compared to him 
people were saying you look like him, you act like him. Right. Uh, you're you're a saint like him. And then to hear all these little stories, I didn't have, you know, maybe insurance. And he, and he slut, you know, gave me some uh, samples to get me by. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you're hearing and that's what you're seeing every day. And then, but there's this other side to this doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like. This Jekyll is, and Hyde. Well, and this is weird, too. I mean, it's obviously very weird, but I mm-hmm. think everybody out there think about your own personal life and your own work history for a minute. Many of us have walked into a job that we sought that we were lucky to get hired for, and you are interacting with customers who worked with the person that you replaced you are working with coworkers and bosses of people that worked with the person that you replaced and you this th- it's very normal to hear a lot about the person that that worked at that position before and even hear situations of you being compared to that person right and the the weird thing here is not only do they share the same occupation not only do they share the same goals of running this practice of this clinic. Mm -hmm. They share the same last name. And the really weird thing here is you have two very smart individuals, Dr. Vince Gilmer, and then Dr. Benjamin Gilmer. And you almost have a situation where Dr. Benjamin Gilmer is trying to make sense out of what the heck happened to the guy he replaced. Mm -hmm. Hearing these wonderful stories from, from the, the, uh, patients and from the staff. <laughs> and that, then can you but, can you imagine being a, a patient and you're like, yeah, I read about, man, my doctor was arrested for a murder. Right. And then the next time I go in for a checkup, uh, Dr. Gilmore would be in to see you shortly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, like, a lot of people what, thought it was a prank. Right. What me. happened? Yeah, yeah. What happened? I, I read about that in the paper. <laughs> they let him out. <laughs> but then you have Dr. Be- Benjamin Gilmore who's trying to make sense out of something that happened to the guy that that he's replacing. Well, I think some of that too is like uh, we kind of have a fear of that. I think when you think of uh, these horror stories or these urban legends, when you look at like the Amityville horror, it was this whole thing where the family moves into a house, and then the the crazy guy that lived in the house before now the father is becoming crazy just like he was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're going, oh no. You know, like, and so I think maybe part of Benjamin's thought was, am I going to become this guy? Right. Which like, d- doesn't sound like a sane thought, but. No, but it, who knows? we've all seen The Shining. Right. And I think Dr. Benjamin Gilmer. He saw it a lot. I, I think <laughs> he referred to it on This American Life as there's, there's a ghost in this building. There's a ghost in this right. clinic. The ghost of Dr. Vince Gilmer. Or the ghost of something, you know, he p- can't really put his finger on. Yeah, or the possible fear of what if this guy gets out and does he come looking for me? Yeah. Does he know about me? I know about him. He's on the inside. Does he know about me? And and then you have a guy that did some uh, pretty insane stuff. And is this guy going to kind of freak out because... A Dr. Gilmer took his place. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there even a story where 
where some somebody gave some information or passed something along to the staff there that said, hey, I heard Dr. Vince Gilmer's getting out of prison yeah. soon. Yeah, like a technicality or something. Yeah. Yeah. So could you imagine constantly like double checking to see? And, and you don't know this guy. You've just seen pictures of him. You never met him in person. Mm-hmm. So that would be pretty, pretty intense. Well, as we said, the changes to Dr. Vince Gilmer, people noticed this. They were significant changes in his personality, in his behavior. And then the murder happened. And it became even clear that there was something very wrong with Dr. Vince Gilmer. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. 
It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, cheers, mates, and a big cheers to my buddy Joe, which I got a text last night mm-hmm. they had a baby. Oh, congratulations. Baby, Anna, so I hope everybody's doing well, and Joe's a great guy, so cheers to you, Joe. All right, I think we have set this up pretty good so far. We have talked about Dr. Ben Gilmer taking over the practice, him learning about the previous doctor, Vince Gilmer. The two sharing letters, phone conversations, and Ben even visiting Vince in prison. We have talked about some of the events in Vince's life 
that led up to the murder, but we are yet to talk about the murder. So on the day in question, this is a Monday, June 28th, 2004, Vince Gilmer told his office manager, Terry, to close the clinic early on this day. Afterward, Vince left to drive to Broughton Hospital. Broughton Hospital is a psychiatric facility located about 60 miles away from Morganton. Vince was going there to pick up his father. Right. Vince's father, Dalton Gilmer, age 60, was a resident at Broughton Hospital. Now, I don't fully know the ins and outs of why Dalton was a patient at this psychiatric hospital, but court records indicate that Dalton could barely walk. He used a wheelchair or walker, and he was on antipsychotic medication. And did he have some form of dementia? Well, so one of Vince's former patients later told a reporter that Dalton had Alzheimer's. Right. So it's possible that that he may have had that or possible that Vince told people that he had Alzheimer's, but we don't know whether that's the actual case or whether Dalton suffered from some different physical affliction or just mental impairment. Now, but the key thing here is Dalton needed assistance to perform everyday functions such as bathing, eating, and getting dressed. Right. Okay. So apparently Vince picked up his father that day as part of a plan, he said, to move Dalton to a nursing facility closer to Cane Creek, presumably so that Vince could visit his father more often. Mm -hmm. On Tuesday, June 29th, Vince returned to work at Cane Creek Family Medical Center. He told Terry, you know, one of the staff members there, and Mm -hmm. others on his staff, that he had brought his father Dalton home with him on Monday, but that Dalton wandered off during the night, and he hadn't been able to locate him yet. Mm. Vince said that he filled out a, he filed a police report, which he, which he did. Um, but this was not technically until June 30th. The, the report that I saw says June 30th as the date, but Vince continued to work as normal that day, seeing his first patient of the day, Terry's son for asthma right on schedule at 9am. He seemed completely normal. According to those who interacted with him that day, he did not seem at all anxious or worried, despite the fact that his elderly ailing father was missing at this time. In fact, he completely, he was completely normal all week long, even taking the staff out to lunch on Friday at a spot that they liked called Iannucci's. It was while he was at this lunch that Dr. Vince Gilmer received a phone call. This call was from Washington County, Virginia Sheriff's Department, Detective Mike Martin, informing Vince that a body had been found in Virginia. Terry Worley reported afterwards that upon hearing this news, Vince nearly fainted. He turned ashen and had to lie down on a bench at the restaurant. Someone brought him a cold compress. They're trying to tend to the doctor. To everyone present, it seemed that Vince was reeling from the shock of the loss of his father. Right. He was unable to continue to converse with Detective Martin and insisted that Terry take over the phone call. Washington County Sheriff Fred Newman later told the media that Vince Gilmer's hysterical reaction, well, he considered this to be over the top. 
Quote, he was just torn all to pieces more so than was actually normal, he said. Authorities made arrangements for detective. Yeah, but we also have him overreacting to running over his dog's tail. That's true. That's very true. Authorities made arrangements for Detective Martin to meet with Vince at his home. When the time came for the arranged meeting between Vince and Detective Martin, Detective Martin says that Vince was polite and composed, asking no questions and showing no emotion. Here is Detective Martin in his own words about what went down in this meeting. Quote, During the interview at Mr. Gilmer's home, he told me that he had brought his father to North Carolina to stay with him, and that upon their arrival, that Dalton was so delighted to be there, they had went out into the yard and played with the dog, throwing a frisbee. I already knew that could not be true, because the people at Broughton Hospital told me that Mr. Gilmer Sr. could not have walked on his own at any time. He said, you don't believe me, what I'm telling you. I said, no, sir, not at all, not in the least. I do not believe you. I said the very questions that any person would be asking in reference to his parents' death, you've not asked, which is an excellent indicator that you already know. He wasn't scared. He wasn't agitated. He told me, he said, look, He said, you don't know who you are messing with. He said, I am a doctor of medicine. I am well respected in the state of North Carolina and I will have your damn job. I said, sir, it is my job to do the investigation. And based on what I know, I will consult with the Commonwealth attorney and I will ask for a warrant for your arrest for murder. When we left, we said, sir, thank you for your time. And he closed the door and never said a word. So a heated exchange between the doctor and the detective. Yeah. An interesting exchange as well. Because what I find fascinating here is you have a very much seasoned detective. Somebody that's done the job for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And his first reaction is saying, you know, he's... He's just saying what he's thinking. He's saying, look, doctor, I told you that your your father is dead. You're not asking certain questions that through my experience in conducting this job, I'm used to hearing. Right. You know, but again, that's we always assume how people are supposed to act. No, I know that. But but there's there's some indicators here that are interesting to me. Right. Because we don't, we only have this small window of their interaction, this little heated exchange here. What we don't have is some of the questions and interaction that may have led up to this. But what I'm thinking that the detective is finding interesting and that he may have found his first suspect is, look, if, if I tell you that your father died and you don't ask me, well, how did he die? That's weird. I already know. It's going to be just like Elvis. Well, that's that's what, dying on the crap. No, but that's what the detective is simply saying to the doctor is that because you're not asking me certain questions, that indicates to me that you already know the answer to a lot of these questions that I would expect you to yeah. be asking. 
There, I think there was probably something else happening though, because if somebody said that my father died or 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 a grandparent died or something like that, there. I mean, there's been times that people have told me this stuff, and and I don't know exactly what to react, you know, mm-hmm. like or how to react. So there isn't a reaction of what happened mm-hmm. because I'm just contemplating. Oh, crap! They're gone. You know, but in this, I mean, we might get to that eventually. You know, in this same exchange, though, we have Doctor Gilmore saying, "Hey, this is what happened when I last saw my father," mm-hmm. and the detective outright saying, "Look, that cannot be true. It cannot be true that your your father was out playing with the dog in the yard, right. based on what I've been told by the people that were taking care of him at the facility that you placed him." That can't be true. The man can't dress himself. He can't feed himself. He can't walk without assistance. He's not out in the do- in the yard throwing the frisbee with the dog. Right. He seems like there there comes a time, and my grandpa used to talk about this all the time, is when he'd go to the nursing homes or the facilities where they have older patients, mm-hmm. and they there was nothing that they could do for the patient, and they didn't have enough staff to like be one-on-one with the patient, so... They would basically get the patient dressed and wheel the patient out into the hallway. Yeah, you make them comfortable and try to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's awful. It's Mm. awful. So. Well, you and I will be there in about three or five years. Yeah, two and a half. (laughs) Two and a half at this pace. Well, in the course of this meeting, detectives, they did search Vince Gilmer's home. This was due to a warrant that they brought with them that day. Now, it was not known exactly what was found, but we do know that the police collected a receipt from a local Walmart dated early on the morning of June 29th, which showed the purchase of five bottles of peroxide. Mm. The cops, they presumed that this meant that Vince had used the peroxide to clean something up. And in combination with the perceived lies about Dalton playing Frisbee with the dog, the cops had enough for an arrest warrant for first-degree murder, which mm. they obtained and returned to execute. But after the meeting with Detective Martin and a search of his home by law enforcement, Dr. Vince Gilmer had not acted like an innocent man. Instead of mourning his father's passing, he packed up some basic camping gear and fled. When he was finally found chased down and arrested he was living in a tent behind a lowe's home improvement store in the uh at the Asheville mall <laughs> so you want to get in touch with nature but not too far not into too nature. far yeah. right you want to be close to, be to a dumpster them. and some public restrooms yeah police received a tip from an unknown source that vince was hiding out in the area uh and that's how they tracked him down now when they approached him or attempted to do so he ran from police through the wooded area behind the Lowe's building, hiding behind trees, and this is like a dark forested area. Right, but look, in the initial, let's say, confrontation between the detective and the doctor, they have to be seeing that something's not right. Not only is he not acting like an innocent man or a grieving son, he's just acting a little strange as well. Mm-hmm. They have to see that. Now we have the, this doctor, again, a doctor, right? Right, a smart guy. Right, super smart guy and a guy that's trying to, I mean, cops and firefighters are close. 
that's normally a close knit organization. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're kind of separate entities, they they know each other really well. So they'd hear about him doing all these checkups for free on the firefighters. Mm-hmm. And now we have this situation where this guy is after his dad is dead, and we we think he's our number one suspect that it's murder. He has a tent behind Lowe's. And then when they go to arrest him, he's running from them. Yeah. There has to be red flags. Well, and he's already threatened the detective. I mean, as right. soon as the detective is up front and says, look, man, I don't believe you, to put it as frank as possible, mm-hmm. look, man, I don't believe you, the doctor then immediately, like you said, pointed out, goodbye you, a smart guy, he immediately jumps into threatening the detective of, do you know who I am? Do you know how important I am? I can ha- I'll have your damn job. I'll have you fired right. for this accusation. So we have Dr. Gilmore, and he is running from the cops. From his little tent site. Yeah, in a wooded area in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And when police searchers finally sent in a canine, Vince charged the dog and the police handler, and it was said by an officer on the scene that Vince Gilmer charged at the officer and canine with absolutely no expression on his face. He's lucky he didn't get shot. Mm. Vince Gilmer was finally apprehended around 1 a.m., So this desperate and somewhat pitiful flight from justice was just the tip of the iceberg. On July 6th, Vince Gilmer was charged with the first degree murder of his father, Dalton Gilmer. What came out about the killing and the arrest shocked everyone in the community. When Dalton Gilmer's body was found, it was determined that he was strangled to death. The implement used was a rope. An autopsy confirmed death by rope strangulation. The medical examiner specifically noted that Dalton Gilmer had been strangled twice. Mm. There were two distinct rope marks visible on his throat. The body was discarded at the side of Good Hope Road near the Virginia-Tennessee border in Washington County on the Virginia side, not five miles from a medical clinic where Dr. Vince Gilmer had previously practiced years before. The body had been found where it was still, it was still warm by a resident who was driving home from the movies just after midnight. The body was lying visibly on the side of the road, dressed in shorts and a pulled up t-shirt, the no shoes, no teeth. Now I, I do want to make a side note of this. Because there doesn't seem to be, from the articles I could find, there doesn't seem to be any indication that teeth were removed from the victim. It's very likely that Mr. Dalton Gilmore may have had dentures at his old age, you know, and Mm -hmm. and these were just removed. Right. Um, There was also no wallet present. It was quickly identified by clothing labels, however, reading Dalton Gilmer. Right, because he was in the hospital. Yeah. These, these labels were stamped with Dalton's name inside his polo shirt, collar, and shorts around the waistband. Labels that actually his son, Vince, had arranged to have attached to help identify Dalton's clothing at the psychiatric hospital from that of the other patients. Vince must have forgotten about these identifying labels because before dumping the body, he severed all 10 of his father's fingers with what some have said 
to be medical precision, cutting off each digit right at the base of the palm. <sighs> he used what he later described as a little saw to do this. The instrument has also been referred to as a set of pruning shears. The fingers have never been found. Now, the medical examiner determined that it was likely that that Vince, the killer, had initially strangled Dalton, but that Dalton was still alive and came to. And when Vince started to se sever the fingers, this is probably when he came to. Right. Because there was blood on his body and clothes indicating that his heart was still pumping when some of the fingers were being cut off. Right. So Vince, Hence the second strangulation, right? Vince strangled him a second time. This mm -hmm. to com to complete the task, I guess. A rubber surgical glove was found in the road near Dalton's corpse. So, what this suggests, very obviously, with the removing of the fingers, with the removal of what I believe to be dentures, with finding no wallet, is very simply. Somebody dumping a body, dumping a murder victim, right. and trying to make it difficult for them to be identified. However, we have the situation where we have the name of the victim stamped on the labels and the clothing. Yeah. And maybe that's just something he forgot about. Mm -hmm. But obviously, like you said, the removal of teeth could just not have had his teeth on him that day, but the removal of the fingers... I mean, it gets me every time. Yeah. You know, especially as a guitar player. Well, the another thing that I find strange about this situation, too, mm. is now I now I understand that they drove some distance from um, where he picked up his father. So that indicates further trying to conceal the identity of the victim. Right. But what kind of shocks me here is, mind you, we've we've both agreed multiple times that we're talking about a smart guy. The murderer is a smart guy. And the efforts taken to cover up or hide the identity of his father, of his victim, it it's almost shocking to me that the body's just left on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. That there wasn't some further, you know, concealment of that to begin right. with. But we have, again, this is way out of character for him anyways to be committing a crime like this. And so. This should be out of character for <laughs> for for damn near everybody. <laughs> well, well, not the people on our show. Yeah. This is in character. There was some other information that started to come out around this time after uh, Vince's arrest. Mm -hmm. uh, one bit of information. Vince had been his father, uh, Dalton's legal guardian something that is obviously pretty common in a case where a parent becomes incompetent or is living in a facility. As part of his guardianship, Vince was in charge of handling Dalton's money. This responsibility included paying the cost associated with Dalton's psychiatric hospital inpatient status. But when Dalton was killed, it came out that he owed Broughton Hospital over $270,000. Mm. Vince had not been paying his father's bills. We don't know whether he, he kept the money for himself or even whether he ever withdrew it from Dalton's account at all. 
Right. Perhaps this is how Vince was able to afford possibly cutting his patients so many breaks. Right. Who, who knows? But I, but the, either way, the new truck. Yeah. Either way, well, he would have got something from the insurance, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But either way, he owed a lot of money for his father's care at the time of this murder. Yeah, but just because you kill him doesn't mean that the bill goes away. Well, another thing that looked bad for Vince Gilmer was a trip to Alaska that mm-hmm. he had planned. Now, we don't know exactly when he booked this trip, but the timing of the trip coincided with his father's being released from the hospital. Now, this is how this has been reported. It's unclear exactly what dates the trip was planned for. Terry Worley, the office manager at the clinic, says she had booked the round-trip ticket to Alaska at Vince Gilmer's request. But detectives discovered that at some point, at some time after that, someone had changed the ticket to a one-way ticket. Now, it's unclear whether Vince just decided not to go or whether, this is probably more likely, uh, he probably had plans of going to Alaska and never coming back, you know, a much better plan than hiding out behind the Lowe's home improvement store. Do you think mm, possibly a little bit better of a vacation? The other interesting thing here too, captain is later when asked Vince said he could not recall having any plans to go to Alaska. That's not mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not like taking a trip down the road. This is <laughs> this is going to Alaska and booking a round trip ticket. Right, but did he, did he seem believable when he was saying he didn't know about this? Mm, I, I don't know mm. because there's I didn't see like an interview or, you know, interrogation or anything of that process. Right. Just the simple statement of them saying, yeah, we asked about Alaska. We asked about the, the one-way ticket to Alaska and he basically just says yeah I don't I don't recall any plans having any plans to go to Alaska the tricky thing too that makes this a little could be difficult for investigators is initially the tickets were booked by the office assistant and I mean Vince's office assistant well she she says Vince requested this of of her but I mean it, it does make it a little tricky Now, finally, investigators on the case said that Vince told them that when he picked up his father from the hospital to bring him to a new nursing home, because that's what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to pick him up at Broughton Hospital and transfer him to another hospital closer to Vince's home, Mm -hmm. as we said, presumably to make it more convenient on the son visiting the father. But later after his arrest, he's saying, hey, look, when I went to pick him up, I promised my father that we would stop first for a quick lake kayaking outing. Mm-hmm. Vince said his father once lived near Little Wilbur Lake in Carter County, Tennessee. And Vince thought the kayaking outing would be soothing, would be nice, nice thing to do for his father. Now, a green kayak was apparently seen in the truck, in Vince's truck that day. But remember, Dalton couldn't walk. And reports are that there was no walker found. Right. Detectives were highly skeptical of this kayak story, especially as when Vince picked up Dalton, it was already getting toward the evening hours. 
In fact, they said Vince had picked up Dalton that day with the rope, the gloves, and saw or pruning shears already in his truck. Police believe that this was not a spur-of-the-moment killing. In their minds, this was pre-planned, premeditated murder. All right, if you need more of The Garage, check out our old episodes, starting from episode one back in, what, 2000. 15 mm-hmm. seems like just yesterday we were in your hot garage sweating sweating bullets you can sweat to the oldies with us yes. by using the free stitcher app it's yes. the free listening stitcher app it's amazing and it's free you have no reason to not check it out yeah just go to your app store it's for android it's for apple users download the stitcher app and then on the left hand side it'll give you the year and you just select what year you want, and then you can scroll through all the episodes. We're almost up to episode 300, and you can check those out for free on the Stitcher app. Also, if you want to come hang out with us, if you want to come drink with us in New Orleans, or New Orleans, however you say it. Nolans. Nolans. You can go, uh, I think there's a link on our website. If not, I believe it's crimecon.com, crimecon.com. And our promo code is TCG19. And we would love to see everyone at CrimeCon this year in Nolens. And we want to see everybody back here in the garage for the rest of today's case. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.